Wrestling fans, this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. And gentlemen, if you have hair, this tool is for you. If you're like my friend Tom, who's hairless, he's like a seal, you don't need this product. But if you're like most of us and want to keep the family jewels up to snuff this summer, check out Manscaped. We've partnered with Manscaped and are now offering a 20% discount to podcast listeners. Use the promo code WCML at checkout at manscaped.com. To be honest with you, Ryan, I was I was ready to be done. Um, I, it was just kind of one of those things. I mean, there were times throughout that sophomore season where I would be so hard on myself warming up for a match or something. I just I could remember thinking right before stepping on the mat sometimes, like, man, this would be so much easier if I just went out there and lost. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome back to Wrestling Change My Life, folks. This is your host, Ryan Warner. We have a legend alert on the podcast today. The great Greg Jones has blessed us with his presence. Greg was a three-time NCAA champion for the University of West Virginia, lost just four matches during that career. He went on to coach at West Virginia, and now he's one of the top MMA coaches for wrestlers in the game. So he and Henry Hooft run a gym in Florida called Sanford MMA, and they train and coach champions. And so he's uh, most weekends on the road coaching someone fighting, it's awesome to talk with Greg, and I hope you enjoy this podcast, folks. Fan of the week goes to my man, got it right here, Brooke Schiffner, representing Denver, Colorado. Shout out BWS Design Group. Brooke, thank you for all the all the support and for listening, my brother. We greatly appreciate it. As always, this podcast is presented by Spartan Combat. We're so thankful for them, as well as Manscaped. Please support our sponsors, folks. And that's it. Let's get to the interview with the great Greg Jones. Greg Jones, welcome to the podcast, sir. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that you having me on. Absolutely. Now, you are you know, known as one of the greatest collegiate wrestlers all time. We're going to get to all that, but let's start with your older brother, Virtus Jones, three-time All-American at West Virginia. What was you know, some of your fonder memories of watching him at the NCAA tournament for the first time? Well, if you want to open up with him, talking about him, why don't you just call him? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just playing. Yeah, no, um, 
you know, I say it, I say it all the time. Um, probably, not probably, definitely one of the biggest factors of the success that I was able to experience um, had to do with my older brother uh, growing up in the in the same house as him, um, kind of coming behind him, doing the same things, drinking the same water, um, and really able to uh, to watch watch how it's done and witness how it was done. And um, you know, beyond that, beyond athletically, just the um, the quality of person he is, the, the the leadership that he possesses, and just how he goes uh, about things. He sets uh, he sets a pretty high standard for himself and uh, for those around him. Um, and I think that was just something I was just able to able to feed off of. And uh, you know, from a wrestling standpoint, Burgess was a uh, was a much better athlete than me. Um, I think I was. I was more complete of a wrestler than he was. Um, I think I was a little bit more open-minded to learning new things um, where he could be stubborn at times, um, but still to, uh, to watch what he did. I can remember him going to the NCAA finals his uh, sophomore year. Um, I, was at, I was actually at Pennsylvania State's wrestling myself. Um, must've been, uh, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old. Um, so he made the finals out of the blue. So, um, so you were there, or you weren't there. No, no, no. I was, the nationals were in Cleveland. I was in central PA. Well, yeah, I guess kind of central PA in my own youth state tournament. Got it. Um, and I remember, uh, you know, this is before Twitter and, and really cell phones were very popular. It was somehow the word traveled to Johnstown that he had made the finals. And I just remember the, you know, the arena kind of, kind of buzzing off of that, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't even know, uh, you know, I've known about you, but I didn't even know you had a brother. And like, like you said, lo and behold, makes the finals as a sophomore. Um, yeah. And then your younger. I actually have two brothers. Two, yeah, my younger brother wrestled too. Um, but yeah, Burtis went um, pretty underrated career. Uh, he went 2-3-2 two, two, uh, at the NCAA <laughs> tournament. So that's, uh, that's not an easy feat in itself, you know. No. So tell me about your childhood. I understand your dad had a wrestling club that he kind of ran out of the basement. How did all that get started? Yeah, um, you know, I, I tell people all the time that they, everyone asks how how young were you when you started wrestling? That's a big question that you turn up. How long have you been wrestling? You know what yeah. I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, but, in the warm-up uh, area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, and I can, I, I, I struggle to answer that question because um, by time, like you have those conversations, schools letting out, uh, you're going to play baseball this summer. You know, what baseball, what basketball team are you going to play for? You know, um, by the time I got old enough to realize that, like, you had options and you can pick what sports you can play, I was already wrestling for a number of years. So I, it was just already part of who I was and, and what we did. Um, but obviously, growing up in Western Pennsylvania, um, we were kind of at the forefront of all the, the, um, the wrestling club culture you see that's so big right now. Um, we were doing that back in the, in the early 90s, you know. Um, just gathered a collection of kids uh, from around the area, and uh, and my dad coached us, and he coaches very hard, uh, right out right out of our basement, probably, um, I don't know, not even the size of a wrestling mat, wow. um, and it's uh, it's actually the original house that I grew up in, what became our wrestling room once we put um, our modular home on top. 
so I go back, you know, I go back home now. I was like, wow, man, you know, this is kind of where, where everything started. You know, it's just old and dusty now. It's just a basement now. But uh, there's a lot of good wrestlers, um, a lot of good people that uh, came through the Jones basement. Um, very thankful and appreciative for, for uh, having an opportunity to be coached by, uh, by my father. Um, you know, some of the guys we, we talk every now and then, and, you know, I, I, I've never sat down and got a clear count of the, uh, the amount of division one wrestlers or collegiate wrestlers in general that came through our basement at some point. Um, but I, I, if I had to ballpark it, I would say division one wrestlers, probably 15 to 18. Wow. Um, probably 25 or if you add like D2, D3 and all that, probably about 25, 30 guys um, came through there at some point. So what was your dad's approach to it? Uh, just work. Just work. I remember um, driving home on the school bus. I see uh, the smoke because we had a wood burning or a coal burning stove coming out of the chimney. And that was when I was already starting to prepare myself for afternoon, the afternoon training. Uh, <laughs> so you come home, you, you drop your backpack, you run down my grandfather's driveway up the hill. We called it Rocky Top. There's a big hill up that sits up there. Uh, you run that five times, run back down, change your shoes, wrestling practice. Um, and then after every single wrestling practice, 300 pull-ups on the pull-up bar. Um, no 300 uh, every single practice monday tuesday wednesday and thursday what? Um, so i got strong but i also learned how to cheat a little bit too you know what i mean i <laughs> <laughs> got some funny math but uh i mean right now i couldn't do my shoulders i couldn't do five pull-ups and that's that's not exaggeration but um that was the standard he set for us man it was there was we understood understood very clearly what the expectations were there were very hard and clear repercussions if we didn't rise up to that standard and that just kind of trickled out through all the all the kids in the club i mean some of the i mean this stuff you can't get away with now not even by a long <laughs> shot i i can remember we uh you know everyone does a, does a stand-up drill on the wall right you get your back pressure on the wall you split up cut off but we we would spin it around with a partner on top and at the whistle start, partners must go knee in the butt, drive you into the wall, and the bottom man has to slow it up, get your head up, or you break your nose. Hmm. Um, we call it the towel drill. You start in a half Nelson on your back. Um, this is all true. And uh, the the uh, the towel that we, we would use to clean the wrestling mats after, if you didn't get off your back after three five seconds, that towel went over your face, and you either got off your back or you suffocated. <laughs> so that's um, wild that's probably the best i can illustrate what or what you asked what my dad's style or how, how he did it that was that's the best way i could encapsulate that and so when you went to tournaments it must have been a little bit of relief for you and your brothers and your teammates um yeah probably we just make sure we wrestle well because if we didn't wrestle well we just drive back home and go back right back to the basement that was dang that was uh not very often that occurred but um fairly regularly that would happen yeah and i i read that you had two sisters who were both volleyball players in college did he 
learn that and teach them that as well? Or did, was he just a wrestling guy pretty much? You know, I, um, I appreciate the thoroughness. Is that a word? Thorough? How thorough you are on your interview preparation, Ryan. Appreciate um, that. Some, a lot of people aren't that thorough, but yes, I had, um, I have two younger, uh, well, there's five of us. I'm right in the middle, a brother and sister on each side. Um, both my sisters played division one volleyball at Eastern Kentucky university. Um, and he was kind of, he was kind of hands off with them. Um, they had a little bit more freedom athletically than, than, than the boys had anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, a, a sport that, you know, they found their, found their passion in and they were fortunate enough to be able to pursue it. Um, yeah, uh, I think all of us have a, one of the coolest things about my family is we, if I could brag about us a little bit that, you know, we didn't have much, we didn't have a lot. We, you know, we didn't, you know, it's one of those things you didn't know you were poor, <laughs> you know, where you're going through it and, you know, till you grow and you see some other things like, Oh, you know, why don't we ever do a family vacation? Well, there's a lot of time, <laughs> energy resources that go to all these damn wrestling tournaments and volleyball tournaments, you know? So, um, uh, all five, all five of us kids went to school on athletic scholarships. All five of us graduated um, with a college degree from working class parents with no college degrees. Um, and all five of us have uh, Pennsylvania State athletic medals. Wow! So um, I think that speaks volumes for for. Um, a lot uh, to my parents and what they were able to instill in us, um, the values of hard work and dedicating yourself to a specific task and accomplishing it. That's an amazing stat. And, you know, for your brothers, you guys all wrestled at West Virginia. I don't know much about Morgantown or, or the, or like the uh, sports culture at all. And I'm from the Midwest. What is it like there? I hear it's just bananas for sports. If you don't know, or you haven't been to Morgantown, you need to put it on your list. Okay. Morgantown, West Virginia is one of the coolest uh, college, well, towns in general, but it's obviously a college town. It's 30,000 people about last time I checked. So it's a small town, 25, 30,000 students. Um, one of the very cool and unique things about Morgantown, West Virginia, or West Virginia as a whole, is West Virginia doesn't have any professional sports teams. There's none. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers, at, uh, or the Pittsburgh teams an hour and a half north. Outside of that, uh, West Virginia University is the only show in town. So it's, mm -hmm. it's the flagship university. It's the flagship athletic uh, program. Um, and I think what you see in probably in the last eight or 10 years, whenever I was coaching uh, in West Virginia, you know, we did a lot of good in recruiting on low expectations. You know, bringing a guy down is like, oh, West Virginia, you guys have power and water and, you know, all this <laughs> kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I say that exaggerating, but a little bit, you know, because West Virginia, unfortunately, has that reputation. Um, but I would say in the last eight to 10 years, um, you know, with since the conference realignment stuff um, started then and um, moving to the Big 12 and the, just the flush of resources that go along with that conference realignment, um, I don't get back there too often, but ever, every time I go back, something's new, something's getting built, redoing the football stadium, new, uh, redoing the basketball arena. Um, so they're, uh, they're really, uh, facility-wise, really starting to work their way towards that upper tier. 
um, of athletic programs. And was there any doubt that you were going to go there coming out of high school? Mm, I said, you know, because, you know, you're young, you don't know the better, you're the man, you're, these coaches are calling you. And I always said that I was going to keep my options open. Um, you know, I'm my own, I'm my own guy, kid, you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, but, you know, in hindsight, I don't know how honest or, or, or how true that was. Um, of course, I grew up, you know, probably 80 minute drive from Morgantown. So that was able, that allowed, um, you know, a whole family to stay involved in Burgess's career once he went there. Mm -hmm. I'd been there several times, been some matches, spent the night a couple of times. Um, but I still, I, re I still really thought that I wanted to experience the recruiting process. As it turned out, I played football, I played baseball, I ran track. Um, and I never fit in uh, a visit to any other school. When the signing date came, coaches came up. I said, let's go, I'm Mountaineer. That's about, <laughs> that's about as far as it was. Didn't get to one other trip. That's awesome. <laughs> no, I didn't visit anywhere else. So you're, uh, I mean, I got to imagine, when you get there your first year, you know, before the, uh, the, the practices start, a game day, like a Saturday game day at West Virginia as a college guy, it's got to be just one of the best things. I mean, did you just relish in the environment or were you guys working out August and September? Uh, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Uh, college game day atmosphere in Morgantown is a very unique experience that everyone should experience one time in their life. <laughs> um, you talked me into but... it in the past five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, that's one of the cool things about the East Coast. If someone was to make that visit, you know, you can hit, I don't know how many different wrestling schools in, you know, a three or four hour radius, mm -hmm. you know, but, um, but no, um, I was a big college football fan. Uh, I went to all the football games and there's one thing about that that haunts me to this day. In my college career, I missed one practice. Uh, it was a football weekend. We had one out doing the whole college thing Friday night. I woke up, said, oh, no. But I had a choice to make. It was either hurry up, run in, catch it into practice, or just get my tailgate gear on and go straight to the tailgate. <laughs> and I had my first cell phone on. My coach called me. I said, I know, coach. And, you know, I was, I was good. I did, always did what I was supposed to do. So I uh, – and he knew that. So he, he had to let me feel a little bit, but he didn't beat me up too much about it because I think he knew. Uh, it still bothers me. It's still missing that practice. It still bothers me terribly. What grade were you in? Um, I was obviously drinking age, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking uh, if this is a freshman, freshman Greg Jones, that's a different story. And you're coming in uh, – but I mean, I got to imagine your training regiment was was pretty relentless just from what your pops had instilled. You know, once you had gotten in college, you won your first uh, NCAA title. What was your regiment like, you know, off season and, and kind of leading up to the, uh, the kickoff of the of the season? You know, I was stubborn. Um, like I said, especially I didn't wrestle. I didn't wrestle outside of wrestling season until maybe my second year of college. So everyone's asked, like, how'd you get so good so fast? I, like, I just, I just started wrestling. Like I started, not that I never didn't take it serious. Right. But I'm, I'm a believer that you should do as many sports as you can for as long as you can. And that's what I did. Um, but actually after my red shirt season, I, I 
my first year in Morgantown, I redshirted. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the year, we had a bunch of guys fall off. I came out of redshirt and wrestled probably six or seven matches, and I hurt my shoulder. And I came back out, and I uh, I ended up getting a medical redshirt. And that's also one of the, I think, one of the biggest factors that I was able to have success off the bat, that going to open tournaments and stuff like that's cool. Um, but I got the chance to get in there and get some live action, some mm-hmm. real-life experience without it costing me anything. So I kind of knew, knew what to expect. But after that season, I went home for the summer. I played baseball. I played on two Legion baseball teams all summer. My coaches never knew. I just, wow. I was just being a kid. Um, that led – and then obviously once, once I got back to Morgantown my second year, um, I got a little bit more serious. I started – you know, really jumping into the strength and conditioning component of everything. Um, obviously, was in the room not a ton, but enough to grow and develop some skills. Um, and that's that's kind of that lined up with my redshirt experience is what allowed me to start kind of taking those those jumps. And I I got to imagine one of the turning points in your life besides going to Morgantown was your redshirt sophomore year. You know, you're on an incredible win streak. You walk through the tournament as a freshman and you end up losing in the first round and not placing. How did that impact the rest of your uh, career? You know, you read it in books all the time, all the things about adversity and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I say it all the time. That was the most valuable wrestling experience that I, I could have ever had. Um, would it have been nice to have been the third or fourth four time or sure. Would I have, um, became as more of a complete and a better wrestler had that not happened i'm not so sure um so i mean you know it's it just it's just life you know I, it's like a established if you you can break stats down any way you want to you know what i mean it's like i'm the first number one seed returning national champion to lose in the first round the following year <laughs> you know what i mean so um but I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative. I'm thankful for that experience. Um, you know, I think, I think I, I handled it kind of the best I could, but to be honest with you, Ryan, I was, I was ready to be done. Um, I, it was just kind of one of those things. I mean, there were times throughout that sophomore season where I would be so hard on myself warming up for a match or something. I just, I could remember thinking right before stepping on the mat sometimes like, man, this would be so much easier if I just went out there and lost, you know, it's like, it's like kind of one of those things. If you don't care, it don't hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember kind of battling those demons. Obviously I never threw a wrestling match. Um, but I think it's a good lesson for younger wrestlers and kids to know that no one is immune from, from these types of emotions and feelings. Um, we all go through it. Um, and how do we learn to channel them, embrace them and use them to empower us to do something incredible. Um, why do you think you felt that way before a match? I was just, I was just very hard on myself throughout the entire year. I, my freshman, when I won nationals, my freshman, my freshman year, I came up, I shook the opposing coach's hand. I came over, I hugged my coach and I stepped off the uh, stage and Zeke goes to me. Uh, Zeke Jones was my coach, him and Craig Turnbull. Um, he said, Hey, he tied me on my chest. And he's like, you know, what's better than winning a national title? I said, what? He said, one in two, three or four. And I, I mean, I, I'm getting goosebumps saying that, 
telling you that. Um, and that's when it like it hit me in my head. It's like, oh shit, we're really like we're really doing something here. You know what I mean? But I remember hearing that and I never really internalized that. That I had wrestled for a very long time. I wanted to be a national champion and I did that in a manner which looked that could be perceived as re- relatively easy. Mm-hmm. So how do I refocus, reframe my career in a sense and set this goal that no one has ever done before? I mean, that very few people have done before. Mm-hmm. So it was just this big internal conflict that entire off season leading up uh, into the wrestling season, but I was going to do it. You know, I, I, in my head, I was set, I'm going to be a four-time NCAA champion. I'm going to do it. Um, and I just, I just fell out of love with the process. Um, I got super serious. Um, I didn't go out one time during the wrestling season. Um, I could remember one in a five, three match being all pissed off because I didn't, I just wasn't appreciating the, the small victories that go on, go in, that are involved in building a successful career, really a successful anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just pounding it on top, on top, on top. And I, I was undefeated. I mean, I had a lot of close matches, but I went through the regular season undefeated. I just kept on beating myself up and beating myself up. By time, by time I got to the national tournament, I had nothing left. I just, I mean, I was there. I was intent on competing and competing hard. I, I mean, don't mistake that. Um, but I was just, I was just flat. Were you cutting I a lot could, or not? not um, I, I cut a little bit of weight, um, but I was a 74 pounder. You know yeah. what I mean? I ended up moving up the following year because uh, I did get, I did grow a little bit. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a weight loss issue. Um, uh, it was, it was, it was, Again, I think it was just uh, just putting, I hate that, you put too much pressure on yourself. Because what does that even mean, right? Um, but uh, I guess that's what I'm trying to describe. Uh, I just, um, just was just very, very hard on myself. I had, uh, I had read that, getting ready for this, and it reminded me of a story I had heard. Brandon Slay said the most valuable thing Dave Schultz taught him was not to take himself too seriously. And it's like just, I, you know, so it's like I, I kind of, I heard you had said that about that experience. I'm like, man, that's right. Because sometimes everyone's just so serious in wrestling, you know? So yeah, is right. that something that happened after that sophomore, or uh, yeah, sophomore tournament? Um, I don't, I don't know if I started being less serious. I think I just, I think I, I just learned to understand myself more. Um, so I can remember like throughout my sophomore year, um, uh, that kind of pre-match, I would always get um, like gas, is that indigestion, like gas in my stomach. I have to burp a lot mm-hmm. uh, before a match. And it's never happened to me before. It never happened to me after. And that's the only thing I could kind of reduce it to. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, so I, I learned to embrace all those things. I learned to use that, those pre-match feelings to my advantage to understand that, um, you know, this is just an experience that goes along with doing something difficult, doing something hard, doing something that could lead you somewhere really cool. Right. Yeah. Now it's a, I mean, everyone seems to have those moments. And once you had gotten through that, you know, your junior and senior year, won every match, what were some of your, like if, if you're coaching kids and helping them get ready for matches, like what were some of your pre-match routines, either mentally or, or physically? 
Um, I, yeah, I wish if, I, if we weren't recording, I could, and I had a few extra minutes, I could probably break down the whole pre-match routine minute by minute. Um, but um, <clears throat> I, I wasn't a music guy. Um, I didn't do headphones. Um, I kind of get lost, lost in my own brain a little bit. Um, I, you know, I had all my timing spaced out to, to, uh, whenever I'm in the hole to on the deck. Um, I think that's probably one of the most valuable things um, about my childhood wrestling that I wrestled again, I wrestled three, three months a year, four months a year, but we read, we'd wrestled 150 matches in that mm -hmm. amount of time. Um, but the mat time and start to understand, to learn how to compete um, is, was, was very, very valuable that I, I, I thought that I understood my body uh, very well. I could remember at a young age going through um, different emotions in my head, you know, trying to be tough, you know, that little kid at the wrestling center is all mean and stuff. I can remember going through that phase and I could remember doing that as a whatever, an eight or nine year old kid and thinking that didn't feel right. Let me try this. Let me try it. And like kind of tinkering with it and tinkering with myself. Uh, sorry. No problem. <laughs> um, but really, um, I understand. I, 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 I got at the young age, I got that process pretty good. Um, then the sophomore year happened, that experience allowed me to add on top of it um, and really just get a really refined approach and really understand what I needed and where I needed to get to to compete, compete at the uh, optimum level. I know people are going to ask, uh, you know, feel free to share any uh, details about it. Though. I mean, like five minutes out, were you sweating? Were you drilling? I mean, what, what was the, some of the things you, that were a cornerstone of that routine? Well, initially in my college career, um, I would I would never drill before a match. And Zeke Jones like, what? what do you mean? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things too. It's seven minutes now, right? Seven minutes. I don't want to get out there, get that additional minute. I don't want to burn energy and go out there and get tired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but always sweating. Um, obviously, a lot of quick feet stuff. Uh, before we get ready for a dual meet, um, I would I would go. Um, I would go in before weigh-ins and get um, probably a 30 or 40 minute workout in. Um, I would get a, a hard drill. Then I would do um, uh, one to two um, uh, sparring or, you know, flow wrestling uh, matches. And I would finish that off with a, with a couple hard shots and I'd go weigh in, I would refuel. Um, and then, uh, I always, always wore sneakers. So, you know, four matches out, I would take my sneakers off, put my wrestling shoes on, tape them up, um, and kind of let everything build going up until when I was in the hole. Um, when, I, when I was in the hole, I would start off, um, I start off do some stance and motion, bust out some sprints. Um, not generally at that moment, would I, uh, would I drill? Um, it was uh, a lot of jumping. A lot of moving, a lot of quick feet stuff, but always a sweat. I always stepped out on the mat sweating. I would, I would never go out there cold, um, whether there's a fall that happened before me or not. Um, and then, um, so you would a couple leg slaps, a couple jumps, and go out there. You wouldn't do anything from the way into when you're in the hole, though, since you had already gotten that workout ahead of time. I would, I would be in the dual meet. Yeah, I would just be in the teammate. 
It's funny you say that about the shoes because our, our wrestling club, when I was a kid, used to take us to Iowa and all those guys were wearing their running shoes. I'm like, God, that must be a college thing not to walk around all day in your, in your wrestling shoes. So the next time I had my running shoes on, my dad's like, put your wrestling shoes on. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I don't want to be I don't want to be confused for one of the old school Iowa guys. So here's the reason. <laughs> Our wrestling room was detached from the arena. So I had to walk across. I just kept them on. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I was looking at your uh, some of the guys you battled, and really, you you didn't have many close matches. But one name I saw a couple of times was Brian Glenn from Illinois. He's been on the show before and is a is a big friend of the podcast. What do you remember? Your... What's he What's he doing now? He's a, no, he's a high school teacher and a high school wrestling coach at a suburb in South Chicago. That kind of fits. I you remember that, that name? Um, of course. Um, that's the thing too. Is I. I, I never really developed a rivalry. Right. You know what I mean? You know, Askren had Pendleton. You know, you go on and on. I, Brian Glenn is probably my most common opponent. Um, we wrestled probably what? Only, still only wrestled probably four or five times. Him and Paul Bradley. He, um, he had that long, slow, but long, deceptive single leg shot to your lead leg with the goal of just getting his hands locked. And when he got his hands locked, he had really flexible shoulders and a good grip. And he's able to get his back up and kind of inch underneath you and submarine underneath you and eventually get head position. Um, but he, uh, he got to my leg, not often, but as consistently as anyone, because he was really good at timing my front foot. Um, I don't think I was really able to ever really split the score on him. I think the probably the biggest win I had over him was probably only four or five points, but he was really good at holding position. Um, he was well coached. Uh, he was able to keep the score low. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, if you, you keep me under six points, you have a, a lot better chance of beating me because I, I wasn't going to be beaten in a shootout. I was, I was going to, I wasn't going to lose a, a 15, 13 match ever yeah Yeah. you know you know what i'm saying um but yeah he was always he was always uh always a tough one for me gotta give a shout out to brian glenn but greg jones you know you're on another level when we're talking about guys getting to your leg as a close match i mean that it's uh it's amazing you had the the internal motivation to keep yourself going without that rival through all those years and obviously capped off the career three national titles four losses ever but then you, after coaching, you know, kind of following that route, you started at a be- as a beginner again, so to speak, as like kind of moving up rooting and moving to Florida and you're an MMA coach and you had never done that before. Yeah. And I just think that's awesome when you, now you're one of the top in the game, you and Henry Hooft, you know, you got this new gym, which I want to talk about, but you know, Henry Hooft is a name I've heard a lot about just from Joe Rogan. I don't know anything about sure. the guy, really. How did you get paired up with him? And like, who is he in that, in his particular world yeah no um i mean from our previous previously uh, you know i was talking about morgantown um i was in a position where i thought that i would never leave morgantown west virginia i thought i would retire as a wrestling coach there um fortunately unfortunately however you want to look at it that's how life happens i'm not um I randomly got a call from, uh, I mean, a text, uh, DM on Twitter from Rashad Evans. 
Rashad Evans, my sophomore year, is the guy that bumped me out of the NCAA wrestling tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was getting ready for John Jones. He asked me to come down and help him train. Um, I came down for three or four days, and I remember leaving um, excited about the opportunity, but mind-blown about how uh, behind the sport of MMA was. This is the, the amount of resources, the training methods, just everything was just crazy to me, um, and not in a good way. So um, as things would go, um, I don't know, five or six years later, um, Rashad called me and said, hey, we got a job open. You look at my, so I'll come down and look at it. And so, um, so I came down, uh, ran a class, went back home, and told my wife, I think I'm moving to Florida. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so anyway, I was fortunate enough to be able to get uh, lined up with Henry. We hit it off pretty good. Um, he, and, he and I, um, we kind of, the way he sees striking, I see wrestling as far as distance and angles and things like that in spacing. Um, I see it very similar. So our, our styles kind of fit together. Um, outside of that, um, Henry Hoof is the, the, the realest person you, you ever, you ever meet. Um, you will never, not once have I ever thought, um, gee, I wonder what Henry thinks about me. Cause he, cause he'll just straight up tell you. Um, I think that trickles down to our, to our team too, is that, that we don't, we don't, uh, not that we're immune to it. We just don't have a lot of drama in our gym because mm-hmm. he's a, just a pretty straightforward black and white kind of guy. And he is a very good leader and a very good coach. Um, it amazes me too sometimes um, that, uh, you know, he basically grew up a kickboxer working in the kickboxing gym, but he never, it blows my mind that he never really had had any formal coaching training um and and but still how good he is you know without that you know mm-hmm. but um um i'm very thankful i'm very grateful for our relationship um we uh we started our current gym probably with sanford mma probably two or three years ago i don't know how time goes um but we're really in a position to really change the face of the sport so it's interesting kind of how life goes that those feelings I left with that, you know, five or six years prior, um, you know, about how low the resources, how poorly the fighters were taken care of. I'm just now getting to the point here, six or seven years in with a relationship with Sanford Health to be able to start um, touching some of those areas and and really uh, take a swing at the original things of my first exposure to the sport um, coming back around now and I'm able to do them with our partners and put some of those things into action to really, um, change how the fires were cared for, um, change their, uh, pre-fight post-fight experience. And eventually, hopefully if we're good enough or lucky enough, we can change some lives. Um, you know, I get nothing better than seeing my guys have kids, a guy closing on his first home, Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just a really neat atmosphere. We got about 40 fighters, 50 fighters from all over the world, all different cultures, all different colors. And it's it's just a beautiful thing. I don't think there's anything cooler for me than seeing a, a collection of individuals build towards a common goal. And that's what we're trying to do. 
it's awesome because it sounds like it's more similar to a D1 wrestling room than some gyms are. Um, it seems like you guys are all kind of training together. Um, is that common in MMA or is it more like kind of one-off training? I don't know. I don't know. Cause I, I try to keep my own backyard clean. You know, yeah. I honestly can't speak to how a lot of gyms are, are run. Um, just the feedback that we get, um, we're, we're, we're in the midst of doing something really cool and maybe pretty special with the mm -hmm. athletes and the partners that we have. Um, but that's, that is a very good analogy. Um, especially with my background, that's, that's what I bring, right? You, if you go somewhere new, you want to be able to take yourself and what you're good at and affect that culture, not jump in there and have that culture affect who you are. Um, and that, again, that's where I'm circling back around that. And um, I think from a, we're, we're on a pretty good run right now. Um, but I think where we make the most difference is, um, is structure and organization. That is, and I think that will continue to be how we separate ourselves from just being another MMA gym. Is that structuring the trainings throughout the week or more like a annual basis? Um, both everything. I mean, you know, and just, just understanding, you know, everyone has a responsibility. Everyone's accountable to each other. There's never, there has yet to be a true mixed martial arts team. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to take a professional sports model, let's go ahead and do that and apply it to MMA. Man, that's so what we're trying to do anyway. <laughs> that's that's awesome. And you mentioned Sanford Health. Seems like they're just crazy into sports. They have a huge, you know, based out of the Dakotas, huge facility out there. They're getting involved with the gym down in Florida. And I gotta ask, how did that happen? Because it like I said, they're out of South Dakota. So what's the connection yeah. there? So our partner um is Dave Martin. Dave Martin lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um we started off with him. He was already representing three, four, six of our fighters. I don't know, a handful. Um, and, uh, and we just started, draw, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other. Um, we had some other partners in mind. Um, the idea being that he's, he wants to go out there and land, land that, that whale of a partner, right? Once we do that, then we're able to fill in with still very good you know, very recognizable partners that want to be attached to that Sanford brand. Mm -hmm. Dave Martin has a, um, a 20 year working relationship with Sanford health. Um, Sioux Falls, South Dakota is also another, a really cool town. It's a hidden gem out in the, uh, gem out in the, the upper Midwest. It's just a, just a real cool, small town. People are nice. Food's good. Um, so, um, like I said, we, we, he pitched a few larger corporations, um, and here Sanford Health was sitting, sitting right here in front of them. Um, once we got our coaching staff lined up, um, got our fighters in place, he, uh, he made the pitch, and, and, and here we are. The facility looks awesome. I was looking at some pictures online. I mean, and like you said, just the approach you guys are taking seems – more holistic. So one of the last things I wanted to Good ask. Good word. Good holistic. word. Holistic. Okay. Good word. Put that on the shirts. Yeah. Um, how would you, so knowing what you know now and learning, you know, taking your coaching to the next level, how do you think you would do, do things different if you were a college coach or what, what are some 
you know, misconceptions in like high school or college coaching that you'd like to straighten out just based on what you learn now and you know, being a professional coach at the highest level? Oh, that's an interesting question. And questions like this, I generally don't answer too well. Um, I'm just like, like nutrition, sleep. I don't know if like anything like that where they're, we're in college, you're like, man, we really didn't focus on that, but now it's one of the biggest things we do. Um, I don't know, Ryan. Uh, what would I, if I was to go back and coach college right now, what would I do differently? Uh, there's obviously a lot of learning that has taken place since I last coached a college wrestling match. Uh, so I would think that I would apply some of those things forward, but what would it be? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But you know what, though? I sit and think about it. I, if I run a wrestling class on Wednesday, that wrestling class wouldn't be much different than if I showed up to university and ran a wrestling class. Um, so I don't know. I have to think about that. That's interesting. That. Cause I, when you talk about showing up and structuring a class the same way, is it, are you teaching like you would, like if you have a fighter who's a striker, are you teaching them like you would like a middle schooler learning how to start or is it all done through the lens of like fighting? So let me rephrase that. The content's obviously going to be a little bit differently, but as far yeah. as structure and organization, um, I do, I wake up and I do fundamentals of wrestling every day. Mm -hmm. Positioning, head position, understanding how to get heavy, understanding how to move your feet in small circles, um, tight angles. Um, you'd be surprised how much I got to teach how to lift another human off the floor. Uh, a lot of these guys haven't played any of their sports. Mm -hmm. A lot of my fighters have just been fighters. So I think there's a lot of value physically in having a diverse background of athleticism. Um, but if I tell some of them to get in, the, in their stance, they don't know how to bend their knees, you know, mm -hmm. and still be mobile and still be able to move. Uh, so, so a lot of, a lot of fundamentals, a lot of fundamentals with the idea being, um, you know, if all these champions are wrestlers, right. Then I don't, I'm not going to teach these guys. I don't necessarily teach them how to wrestle. But if I could teach them how to move, read, and react like a wrestler and get, be the first guy in the position, then we have a chance, you know? And then that's kind of my broad, broader goal. And then I kind of fill in the gaps with technique or different concepts and stuff like that. But a lot of, a lot of fundamental wrestling concepts um, that, uh, that carry over. That's the cool thing, though, because your gym – a lot of a uh, lot of strikers in there because of you know Henry Hoof attracts that kind of talent, and so it's yep. not like it's an AKA where it's known for the you know the college wrestlers stable so to speak. So not um, yet. Not not yet. Y Is that the focus? I mean, we, we want to win. Yeah. You win. You win with wrestlers, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I've been on this thing. So I've been doing this, like I said, six or seven years, um, and. I have this kind of this idea in my head is is using wrestling as a tool to enhance your overall athleticism. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what I do. I know this is going to be a little bit more wrestling specific. It may be a little bit more wrestling specific than you're going to experience in that cage. Um, but at the very least, we start we, we 
comprehend and understand our body positioning, how to apply force, how to put your foot in the floor and change speeds. Um, so yeah, that's my day in a nutshell. I never thought about it as, a, as athleticism like that. You know, the just natural things wrestlers do that those kind of movements aren't, aren't natural to other you know, folks who are even in striking. Yeah. Well, you're just, you're just broadening your, at least in my head, this is how it goes. You just broaden <laughs> your athletic foundation. Right. Yeah. Cause I deal, I deal with a lot of people that never wrestled before. So let's use wrestling to make your feet faster. Let's use wrestling to turn your hips, to make your kick harder. Yep. Well, Greg, I greatly appreciate you coming on the show. The last question we ask everyone, how did wrestling uh -oh. Im impact or change your life? It's an easy one. Uh, name of the show is wrestling changed my life. So, I mean, I'm sure you deal with a lot of non-wrestlers. So if they say, Hey man, would you get out of it? What, what's something that comes to mind? Um, there is not a chance I would be anywhere near the man, person, father I am without wrestling. Um, and just to make it, if you want to make it sports specific, um, these guys in MMA that are wrestlers and they're winning, it's not the doubles and single legs. It's not, it's not the body position. It's to understand how to prepare yourself for competition, how to prepare your brain, how to prepare your body, how to be resilient, how to overcome adversity. All the things you learn throughout a, a 10 or 11th month, 11 month wrestling season in college is why those guys are successful. Of course, they might have a good double leg, but that's, that's not the key. Um, but, you know, just through that and, you know, just the, the leadership and the life skills that, that develop um, you know, from, from having your heart broken, right? You lose that sophomore year, you think the whole world's going to end and you wake up and the sun comes up and you're just back at it again. Yeah. So many people don't experience that until it's, it's, it's like a real death in the family. And then it's even harder to overcome that. So, right. um, right. uh, there's a lot of darkness, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, and that's when you come through the, through to the, uh, the peak, so to speak. So Greg Jones, greatly appreciate your time, my friend. That's it for this episode, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. This episode was brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off on your next purchase with the promo code WCML at manscaped.com.